guys, God is so good. He's so good. And, and, and man, it's just like a, a glimpse. I can't let you see or feel or, or know what's going on in the lives of these people, you know, firsthand. But that's just kind of like a taste. And, and, and uh, just, you know, just that first couple, Dave and Dawn, and, and, and just seeing what God's doing in their lives. And just talk to my wife, and, and there's three families that we've been praying really hard for at our church, and all three of them were there this morning. And and, uh, and two of them have, never, you know, have not been there before. And, and uh, man, it's just so cool to see God moving and working in the lives of people. And, and uh, you, know, you know, just the whole just as good, just as good, just as good thing. And obviously, I don't believe that. That's, uh, and just to uh, you know, kind of tell you a story, Dave and Dawn, the first couple on there, they have four children. And they're, uh, they have three girls and a boy, but their, their son is, is seven years old. And, uh, man, I honestly, like, I worry, like, about the questions he asked me after the service of whether I'm going to be able to answer them or not. Because this guy is, like, he's like this 50-year-old guy crammed into this seven-year-old body. He's, like, so, you know, formal and everything when he talks to you. But um, Francis has, has preached at the church twice this summer, May and, and July. And, and uh, it was the second time he preached, uh, this guy, this kid, Joshua, comes up to me the next week and he says, um, Mr. Hall, you know, who would you say is the bigger believer, Mr. Chan, or you? <laughs> Obviously, you know, I throw on the whole humility thing and, you know, ashes on the head, blah, 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 blah. And, and, uh, and I say to him, well, Josh, that's an easy one. I mean, Francis. So many things about him that, that I want to be like. There's so many, you know, I don't even compare it. And, and, and there's just so many things about Francis in his life that I want my life to be like. He looks at me and says, I thought so. <laughs> so, obviously, the, the just as good, just as good, just as good, obviously. It's a farce. Um, you guys, you know, it was, it was two years ago this weekend that Chet Lowe uh, preached at the church. And I remember coming, and, and actually it was, a, it was kind of, um, I don't know if you remember, but he was the, the missionary to Liberia. Francis had heard him speak at a men's conference that he was speaking at that day. And just asked him, you know, would you come and, and, and share your story to our church? And guys, I had heard many, many missionaries and many church planners and many speakers come to the churches and, and, and talk to me. And, and, and yeah, there were cool stories. And, and for them, it's just so cool to see. What, but there was something different that weekend. There was something completely different. And, and as I listened to Chet's story and his life, I was rocked. I mean, literally, I left that weekend and I just had to step outside of myself and just say, I'm doing nothing. My life is, is, is nothing. Like, and, and really what I came away from saying is, God... I know that I've got to take bigger steps of faith in my life. I know that my faith is so weak. When I look at a guy like that, it's easy to see my faith is weak. And so I really came away and just said, God, however you can use me, whatever it is you want me to do to stretch my faith, then God, please do it. Show me what it is and I'll take the step. I'll take the step. I'll take the step. And really, that was the beginning of the process for me. That's really the beginning of the process of what got me to this point where, where I planted a church in Ohio. And, and, and the reason I tell you that, the reason, reason I share that with you is because this morning, I want that to be the case for you. 
I, I want you to walk away, and, 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 and don't get me wrong, I'm not comparing myself to Chet Lowe. We don't compare, okay? I still look at him and I say, I just stand humbled. I mean, because I'm nothing, nothing in the presence of that. Okay? My faith is still so much smaller than that. I'm not saying that. I'm not comparing. What I'm saying is I want you to walk away today and say, I want to be used. I want to be useful. I want God to use me to do something great. I don't want my life to just be a normal life. I know that's what I want for myself is just to be able to end my life and not say this was just a normal life. No. I want to see God's glory around me, lived out through me, working in my presence to where I can see Him moving and working. I want that for my life. And I want you to walk away today and say the same thing. I want to be used by God to do something beyond myself. Guys, God is so big and He's so good. And that's what I want you to leave saying. God, use me. Do something through me. We're going to look at one verse today. One verse, and most of you probably know the verse. Many of you have memorized the verse probably. And it's Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. <coughs> Before we do that, I want to share a story of, of two different people while you're turning there. Story of two guys. First one, uh, guy's name is James Henry Smith. I have an article on James here, okay? James Henry Smith was a zealous Pittsburgh Steelers fan in life, and even death could not keep him from his favorite spot in a recliner in front of a TV showing his beloved team in action. Smith, 55, of Pittsburgh, died of prostate cancer Thursday. Because his death was, wasn't unexpected, his family was able to plan for an unusual viewing Tuesday night. The Samuel E. Coston Funeral Home erected a small stage in a viewing room and arranged furniture on it, at, on it much as it was in Smith's home on game day Sundays. Smith's body was on the recliner, his feet crossed, and a remote in his hand. He wore black and silk pajamas, slippers, and a robe. A pack of cigarettes and a beer were at his side, while a high-definition TV played a continuous loop of Steeler's highlights. I couldn't stop crying after looking at the Steeler blanket in his lap, said his sister Marianne Nails, 58. He loved football, and nobody did anything until the game went off. It was just like he was at home. Longtime friend Mary Jones called the viewing a celebration. I saw it and I couldn't even cry, she said. People will see him the way he was. Smith's burial, burial plans were more traditional. He'll be laid to rest in a casket. Assume you may look at, listen to that story and say, whoa, that is so cool. But let me just tell you, when you're dead, if people can prop you up in a recliner and put a remote in your hand and still think that you're alive, you have probably wasted your life. I mean, to think this guy, I mean, the response of these people, they just prop him up, put him in front of a TV, put a remote in his hand, some beer and, a cig and cigarettes next to him, and it's like he's still with us, right? I mean, nothing's different. What a waste. 
What a waste of a life. Let me share with you another story. And uh, this actually comes from uh, Randy Alcorn's book, The Treasure Principle. If you haven't read this book, got to read this book. Like a 15-minute read right there. The Treasure Principle, all right? I'm exaggerating 15 minutes. Don't think I'm a speed reader or anything. But He relates a story of, of a time that he went to Cairo, Egypt. And he says this, The streets of Cairo were hot and dusty. Pat and Raquel Thurman took us down an alley. We drove past Arabic signs to a gate that opened to a plot of overgrown grass. It was a graveyard for American missionaries. As my family and I followed, Pat pointed to a sun-scorched tombstone that read, William Borden, 1887 to 1913. Borden, a Yale graduate and heir to great wealth, rejected a life of ease in order to bring the gospel to Muslims. Refusing even to buy himself a car, Borden gave away hundreds of thousands of dollars to missions. After only four months of zealous ministry in Egypt, he contracted spinal meningitis and died at the age of 25. I dusted off the epitaph on Borden's grave. After describing his love and sacrifices for the kingdom of God and for Muslim people, the inscription ended with a phrase I've never forgotten. Apart from faith in Christ, there is no explanation for such a life. I don't know about you, but I want that to be my story. When I die, I want people to look at my life and say, I don't know what to say except it had to be Christ. I mean, I'll be honest with you guys, I am a dork. I really am. You can ask my friends, you can ask anybody. I'm a dork, okay? There's nothing good about me, but I want people to look at my life and just say, man, he wasn't much, but God used him. God used him. And I want you to walk away today wanting that, desiring that, and knowing that it's possible. Knowing that God can use you for his glory to do things that you can't even imagine. Is that what you want? Are you just satisfied to kind of be living your life in a recliner and when you die, then people will just prop you up and say, oh, he looks happy, doesn't he? It's just like he used to be. What kind of a life do you want? How do you want to end your life and how do you want to be remembered? Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 says this, Now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to His power that is at work within us. Now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we ask or imagine according to His power that is at work within us. As we look through this, this passage, we're going to break it into four different parts. We're just going to take it into four different sections, okay? And as we look through this and, and hopefully come to the process where, where you can say, yes, Lord, yes, I want you to use me. I want you to do something great through me. We're going to kind of take these in steps and, and see what, what this verse will teach us about that. The first part of it says this, now to Him, to Him. This is the starting point, guys. This is the starting point. God is everything. And He's got to be everything in our life. Now, to Him. My question to you is, what is your purpose? Who is the subject of your life? Who's the subject of your life? Do you remember in elementary school, when you started learning about subjects and verbs, and, and they first start teaching you in elementary school about um, diagramming sentences, right? You remember that? Okay, you remember, does anybody know what diagramming sentences means? Okay, good. Thank you. In elementary school, it's so easy, right? I loved English back in elementary school. Not so much junior high, high school, college. You know, I was more math. And Anyway, back then, when you first started, you know, you had your noun and verb sentences. It was like, Jack jumped. 
or, or, you know, he left, or Steve cried. You know, it's so easy. You know, okay, I'll underline Steve and circle cried. I'm done. Here's my homework. And, and I, that was easy. You know, I could figure that out. And then it made it a little bit harder and they add the object at the end. You know, Jack met Doug. And I'm like, oh, man, two nouns now. I don't know, Doug. You know, and so, and then they throw the curveball at you, right? The understood. You remember the understood subject? Good. All right. <laughs> the understood subject was, was where the sentence was jump high or, or, or run fast or, or go home. And, and the subject in all those sentences is what? You, right? The understood subject is you. Well, my question this morning is, what is the subject of your life? Now, honestly, honestly, what is the subject? Who is the subject, the purpose, the reason, the direction of your life? Who's the subject of your life? You see, we can, we can, we can be confident and, and, and say, you know, God's the subject of my life. And, and in fact, my faith, you know, I believe in God and, and I get up every day and I pray, God, um, do this. And, and, and I pray before every meal and, and, and every day. But let me, let, me, let me stop you for a second, okay? If our life with God, if our relationship with God consists of us praying and those prayers consist of God, do this. Give this. Do this for me. Make this happen. Then the understood subject of, of, of our life is not God. The understood subject of my life is me. It's me. We may think we have this great relationship with God going on because I pray to Him all the time, and, and, but, but, but really, what is it? What I'm saying is, God, here's our relationship, but it's about me. And as long as you do this for me, and as long as you give me this, and as long as you provide this, and as long as you make this happen, then we'll be fine. And in fact, I'll go tell people that we have this wonderful relationship. And Guys, who's the subject for real? Who's the subject of your life? What is your life about? Is it your wife? Is it your husband? Is it your kids? Is it your job? What's the subject of your life? Was it an idea or some, some thought or vision that you've had and, and something you want to accomplish and so your life has become so wrapped around that even if the title over top of it is ministry? Whatever it is, or, or, or some business that you want to... Whatever it is and your life has become consumed by that, what's the subject right now? What's the subject of your life? What are you about? Guys, if we can't say to Him, my life is to Him my life is about Him, my life is for Him, then our subject, our purpose, our, 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 our reason needs to be directed again. It needs to be changed. God has to be the purpose. He has to be the subject. He has to be the reason we do what we do. Is God the subject of your life? And I'm not going to tell you it's easy. Man, I would love to come here and, and just jump up and tell you, you know what, I, you know, it's almost been a year now, and I went out to, to Ohio, and we planted a church, Step of Faith for Tony, you know, and, 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 and everything's been so easy since then. Man, I just wake up every day, and oh, I'm full of faith because I started a church. It's not like that. It's hard. It's hard to keep God as a subject of my life. And when I don't, on a daily basis, when I don't get up and say, God, you're the reason, you're the purpose, you're why I do what I do, and this day, this life is about you, when I don't do that, then I begin to drift. And my focus becomes not God as the subject of my life, but me as the subject of my life. 
And, and, and my purpose isn't any longer, God, I want my day and my life to be bringing you glory and to be used by you. My purpose is then, how can I make things a little more comfortable for me? How can I make things a little more easier for me? Who's the subject of your life? Now guys, be honest as you search your heart. Search your heart. Because really, what do we do when we come to church? We kind of put on our, our faith suit, right? We kind of put on, you know, we, we walk in and we're confident and we're smiling and if someone asks us about our faith, we're like, hey, everything's good and great and I've got it all figured out and me and Jesus, we're like this and, and we can talk to people in a way that we have the right answers, we know the right thing to say and, 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 we, and we talk to them in a way that just that shows confidence in my, in my walk with Christ because the last thing we want them to see is this shell really is kind of soft and inside there's a hurting person who's struggling with their faith and we don't want people to know that. Guys, who's the subject of your life? Don't just give a confident answer that's not true. You know, my son Alden, he's four now, and, and uh, uh, I don't know anyone who, who can, can pull off the whole, just give, he, he may not know anything, and he'll just give you the most confident answer. You know, uh, he loves fireworks, and, and this July, um, I'd already taken him to a, a Cincinnati Reds game, so he got to, they won, and so he saw all these fireworks, and now he's totally excited about 4th of July, you know, and, and so it was, it was getting close to the 4th of July, and we're sitting around the dining room table, and somehow he brings up fireworks again, and uh, works it into the conversation, and, and uh, so Shauna, you know, she says, she's thinking, I'm going to use this as a teaching moment, and so she's like, you know, Alden, uh, do you know why we set off fireworks for the 4th of July? And very confidently, he's like, because they're beautiful. And she's like, well, you know, they are beautiful, but we set off fireworks at the 4th of July because we celebrate our independence. And that means we're free. And Alden, with all the confidence, you know, like he knew everything, just says, yeah, and I was free, and then I turned it four. <laughs> and so... Uh, guys, that's totally cute when it comes from a four-year-old, right? It's not cute when we come to church and we just put on this facade like we know what's, everything's fine. Everything. Who's the subject? Who is the subject of your life? Is it God or is it something else? I want you to think about God for a minute. Think about God. I mean, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, he says, He's the wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Revelation chapter 4, where, where, where John sees this vision in heaven and all of these angels, all of these angels around the throne of God and they're just crying out to God, holy, holy, holy. Is that what you see? Is that the subject of your life? Isaiah chapter 6, where Isaiah sees the Lord. He sees the Lord. And he sees those creatures. And, and, and what, what are they saying? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with His glory. How does Isaiah respond? Woe is me. For I am, I'm ruined. I'm nothing. Because I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King. Is that the subject of your life? Is he the subject of your life? Isaiah needed that reminder. I mean, he confesses at that moment, I'm unclean. My lips are unclean. 
And I live among a people who are unclean and I need that kind of a reminder. We need that kind of reminder. Is he the subject of your life? You know, we got here, uh, Alden and I got here um, earlier uh, Wednesday and, and um, Thursday evening we're sitting in the car in, in, in the parking lot and uh, the radio was on and, and I wasn't listening, it was turned down, I wasn't listening to what it said. I don't know if Alden heard something on the Christian radio or what, but out of nowhere he just says... Um, he says, are we going to die like Jesus died? And I'm like, well, buddy, you know, we're all going to die. Everybody's going to die, but, but I don't know if, you know, we're not all going to die the same way that Jesus died. And uh, I'm not making this up. It, it, you know, his next thing was, um, well, I'm ready to die. I'm like, what? You know, like, he totally has my attention, and so does God right now. And so, and so I just say, you know, buddy, you know, what would make you say that? And he goes, God. Well, <laughs> I'm not big into the whole mysterious blah 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 thing, and, and and you know, but you know what my response was? I just laid my head on the steering wheel and I just prayed, God, are you the subject of my life? Are you the reason that I'm doing what I'm doing? Are you everything to me? Are you the purpose? Are you everything to me? We need those reminders. We need those reminders. Is God the subject? of your life. The next part of the verse says this, now to him who is able to do. He's able to do. Do you believe that honestly? Do you believe that God in heaven is able to do whatever through you? Whatever. You know, so many times we hear that and yeah, I totally believe God is able in, in, in a pastor's life and in, in, in people who serve in the church in their lives, I, I totally, I believe he's able. But in you, do you believe that God is able to work in and through you? Do you believe that? We took a trip to uh, Tennessee. My parents live in Tennessee. And, and uh, I think it was late spring we, we went down there. And while we were there, my parents took us to their friend's house. And, and their friends have this beautiful log cabin. It's, it's on like 190 acres of land. And, and uh, we're there, and I guess there's this underwritten rule that if you have 198, or 190 acres of land, you have to have that many animals or something. And so it's like covered with animals. They got cows, they got dogs, they got chickens, they got roosters, they got baby chicks, they got deer that just wander onto their property, and like all these animals, you know. And, and so we're there, and this, the owner of the, of the land, of the house, um, just says while we're sitting in the house, he's like, I'm going to go out and feed the chicks, the baby chicks. Well, Alden hears him, and he's like, you know, I want to go. I want to go out. And, and, and so the guy said, like, yeah, come on. I, was like, I told him. I said, like, go ahead, buddy. And, and, uh, and, but something happened after this guy invites my four-year-old, precious, fragile little boy, um, whom I love, um, outside, that he forgot that he invited this four-year-old, little, precious, beautiful, perfect boy out with him. And he left him. And... Uh, all of a sudden, I hear this scream for Daddy. I mean, just screaming out, Daddy, Daddy. And, you know, I've told you stories about him falling in the pool. and Nothing has compared to this. I mean, he was terrified screaming out. And so I bolt. I mean, I'm out of the chair. I'm running as fast as I can to the door. I open up the door, and here's my little son pressing as hard as he can against the corner of this house, trying to get through the wall. Because there are three huge dogs in his face. I mean, just right there in his face, and there's nothing he can do. He's just crying out for Daddy, crying out for Daddy because he knows Daddy is able to help. It may not appear that way, <laughs> but he knew. 
He knew. The daddy was able. And so I run and I just grab him and I pull him in the house. I did. I was able to help him. But I pull him in. You guys, you know, last week, we're going through the book of Mark in Ohio, and, and, and uh, last week we, we, we looked at Mark chapter 9, and, and, and the section starting with verse 14, it's where the father brings his little boy who's demon-possessed to, to Jesus to be healed. And, and at the time, Jesus isn't there, and he's coming back down from the, from the mountain, from the transfiguration. And, and uh, the disciples weren't able to heal the boy. And he comes back, and, and, you know, there's a whole scene, we won't go through the whole thing, but Jesus starts this conversation with the father. And, and, and in it, he just asked him, you know, how long has the boy been like this? And, 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 you know, the father's telling the whole circumstance, what happens to the boy and how he's tormented and, and how the demon tries to kill him. And at the end of, of him talking, do you remember what he says? He says this, he says, but if you can do anything, help us. Jesus' response is this, if you can, anything is possible for those who believe. I love the Father's response. He says this, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Ah, oh, Like, I can relate to that Father. You know, because my faith isn't as strong as it needs to be all the time. And, and I go into situations and my faith is weak and I'm not able. You guys, God is able. God is able. The Father, He wasn't able. He didn't have enough faith. God is able. I don't have enough faith. God is able do you believe that God is able to work through you and do whatever He wants to do through your life? That He's able to use you for His glory? That He's able to work in your life in a way that you end your life and people look at you and say, whoa, it had to be Christ. Do you believe that? You may be thinking, not me. Not me. I can see Him being able to do that through other people, but I'm too weak. I'm tempted in so many ways. I fall over and over and over. I blow it over and over and over. You guys, let me share a couple of passages with you. They're going to come up on the screen here. The first one is Romans. Right up there. Back up one. There we go. Romans 16, verse 25. It says this, Now to him who is able to establish you. That word establish means strengthen. Now to him who is able to strengthen you. The next verse is Hebrews chapter 2. It says, because he, is, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. And then the last one is Jude, the book of Jude, verse 24. And it says this, To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To him who is able to keep you from falling... And not only that, to present you into His presence, His glorious presence, with no fault, without fault, and with great joy. You know what that means? That me, a dork, nobody can come before God at the end and He can, will have kept me from falling. And not only that, when I stand in His presence, I'll be without fault. No fault. I don't know what that means to you, but that's pretty huge for me. That's pretty important for me. I need a God like that. Because if it's up to me, I've got fault after fault after fault after fault. But He can keep me. You guys, you may feel weak. You may feel inadequate. You may feel like it's not... Guess what? You are weak. And you are inadequate. And you aren't usable. God is able. 
I am not able. You are not able. God is able. And do you believe that? John chapter 15, verse 5, Jesus says, Apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. And neither can I. We are unable, but God is able. Do you honestly believe that? In your life, not in anyone else's, in your life that God is able to work and to do through you. I'm going to ask you a question, and I just want you to stop for a minute and think. What is the biggest, and and actually, if you picked up the thing for the sermon-based small groups that's in there, if not, just write it down. Write your answer down on something else, okay? But answer this question, all right? What is the biggest thing you can conceive God doing through you? Through you, okay? What is the biggest thing that you can conceive God doing through you? Now, here, real quick, I'm going to pray for you before we do this, and then we're going to go on, but, but let, me, let, me, let me just be specific, okay? So many times we see a, you know, a question like that, we just want to get through it in church, and, and, and so what we do, you know, what's the biggest thing I can see of God? Anything. Be specific. Be specific. Some of you may have to be honest and say, the biggest thing I can see God doing through me is just getting me up out of this chair and getting me out of this building. That's the biggest thing I can see Him doing through me. Some of you may say, you know what, I could see God taking me to Africa and just reaching thousands of people for Him. Just be honest. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you so much, God. Some people here may have never even stopped to think what you could use them to do. I pray right now that there be honesty, that there would just be a heart-seeking time where they just say, I really believe God can use me to do this. Whatever it is, I pray that you'd work in them and draw them, move them. pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and think through that and write something down. next part of the passage says this, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we ask or imagine. Look down at what you wrote. If you don't have anything to write on, just remember what you thought. God is able to do so much more than what you wrote down. So much more than you thought. In fact, according to this, we can't even measure it. We can't even wrap our mind around it. We can't even think how much further God can go with us. We can't even comprehend how much more God can use us than we can ever imagine. You remember that, the, the, the passage we just talked about in Mark 9? The father whose faith was weak and he just confessed it and he said, God, help me. Help me overcome my unbelief. Increase my faith. What happened? In spite of his lack of faith, what does Jesus do? He heals his son. He looks at the, at the boy and he, and he tells the demon, get out and don't ever go back in. Don't ever go back in. You guys, God is able. And you may feel inadequate. You may feel like this is not a message for you. It is. Because it's not about you. He's the one that's able. We're not. God, it's, it, it's all about Him. And He's able to use you to do far more, 
far more. The, the English Standard Version of the verse says that. It says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. Far more abundantly. So if I come before the Lord, you know, I can dream big, guys. I, that's, I'm a big dreamer. You know, I, I'm a big vision guy. And, and so I can dream pretty big, but if you would have asked me five years ago, you know, what, what's your dream ministry position? What do you see God doing through you? Man, my dream would have fallen so far short of what God gave me here in Simi Valley at Cornerstone Community Church as the worship pastor. So far short. It wouldn't have compared. Because he did immeasurably more than all that I could ask or think. Man, I love you guys. And I love it here. And I, and I, and I love the staff that I worked with. And, and, and Francis and Doug. And, and, and you know the list goes on and on. And, and, and I love that. And I love the people here. But I want to tell you something. I cannot wait to get back to my church. I can't wait. Why? Because God has done immeasurably more again. Immeasurably more. If you would have asked me two years ago when I was the worship pastor here, now what do you see? Now what do you dream? What can you imagine God doing through you? My response would be, what are you talking about? I'm the worship pastor for Francis Chan. I mean, I mean that sincerely. Francis Chan, who, who, who is the best communicator of God's holiness, I believe, anywhere. Anywhere. And I'm the worship pastor for a congregation that understands the holiness of God. That kind of means an easy job right there. I mean, seriously. I, 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 it was just perfect. A perfect, perfect, perfect job. And yet, it would have fallen so far short of what He's done. Man, I love my church. I love what God's doing because I know it's not me, it's Him. And like I said before, I want to live a life where, where I just see the glory of God working through and around me. Not because of me, in spite of me. Because He's able and I'm not. Not to Him who's able to do immeasurably more than all that we ask or imagine. The last part says it's according to His power that is at work within us. His power it's not me. I'm not able. I'm not able. I am just like you. There's no difference. We're the same. I mean, you look at what God is doing as, as, as these churches are being planted. It's not Brian. It's not me. It's not Paul Hatfield. It's not Doug Fox. It's not Scott Mel. It's God. And anything that happens from here out is going to be God. Because it's all about Him and He's the only one that's able. That verse, John 15, 5, apart from me you can do nothing. You know what that means? Anything that I or you try to do of our own, that we do of our own planning, of our own will for ourselves, is meaningless. There's nothing. It's of no value. It's nothing. But with God, He's able. And do you honestly believe that God is able to do something significant with your life? That He's able to take your life where it's at right now and do something huge and significant for His kingdom. Do you believe that? According to His power, it's not us, it's Him. And then it says that is at work within us. Man, if we need more proof, if you need proof that God is able, look inside yourself as a believer in Jesus Christ. I mean, I'm, honestly, I don't know how we can look at God and say, God, I believe. 
I believe that you are able in great power to take my heart that was completely turned against you, that was completely opposed to you, and turn it around so that I am seeking you, so that I am in love with you, so that we have a relationship together. But I just don't think you're able to use me. How can we do that? I mean, how can we honestly believe that God's able to take our heart and completely change us, but He's not able to use us for anything? And so we just kind of park it in our recliner. And we kind of pick up the remote and we just waste our life. How can we do that? You guys, God is able. And, and, and the worship team is going to come in just a minute. But let me tell you, before they come, God is able to use you to do far more than He's done through anyone. He's able to do far more through you than He's done through me. He's able to do far more through you than He's done through Francis. He's able to do far more through you that you name it. You name. Why? Because it's not me. It's not Francis. It's not Doug. It's not anybody. It's God. It's His working. It's His choosing. It's His power that's at work and not us. And He's able to do that through you. How do you want your life to look at the end? You want to look like, whatever his name, I'm trying to forget him, James Henry Smith? Do you want your life to look like that? Honestly. Honestly, what would James Henry Smith have had to do to change, to look different? Get up, right? He just had to get up out of his chair and do something and make something happen, right? You guys, that's it. It's just saying, God... If you're not already, you're the subject of my life now. You're the reason, you're the purpose, and you're, you're why I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And I trust you, Lord. I trust you that as I give my life to you, you're able to do far more than anything I've ever imagined. And I'm just ready for the ride. I'm ready for you to take me on this incredible ride and see your glory revealed and working all around me, all through me. Do you believe that? Guys, it's true. You are looking at a nobody, just a dork who loves the Lord and believes this verse. 